Did I interest you in a stamp? Yeah, give me a stamp. Oh. No, give me a purple one. Oh, I'm sorry we haven't any purple ones. I could uh, paint one for you. I don't want a painted one. person hasn't got any rights in this country anymore. The government even tells you what color stamps you gotta buy. Live from the Chester B. Arthur. Is Chester? It's Chester A. Arthur. Chester A. Chester B. That was his prototype. (laughs) 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 I can't believe this is your favorite and you messed that up. I know. Why did I say Chester B.? I don't know. 13th president? Live from the Chester A. Arthur Recording Studios, this is the award-winning stamp show here today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. This is episode number 352, brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. This is Cash. This is Mark. This is Jim. This is Albert. This is Don. And, uh... I would, we have two follow-ups today. So, Albert, why don't you do your first follow-up? Which, which follow-up are we talking about? The uh, barrels. Oh, there's, uh, there's a great article in the Sunday uh, Las Vegas uh, Review Journal about uh, who the body in the barrel that was found in Lake Mead could possibly be. It was written by two rep- former reporters of the RJ who now work for the Mob Museum. So they suggest they suggested three different people, all people that were probably related to the Argent Corporation and the uh, um, st- Stardust uh, money skimming case that was uh, was the uh, uh, part of the movie Casino. They suggest it was either George J. Vandermark, who was a slot machine cheat. William Crespo, the drug runner turned rat, or Johnny Pappas, the Lake Mead boat owner. And the Clark County Coroner's Office estimates it could take up to a year to identify the body in the barrel. The investigation will, in- will include the examination of familial DNA, and then uh, the writers say they will continue to uh, update, their inf- update the, uh, the story. Oh, interesting. So... Uh- Related to the casino movie, the movie Casino. The movie Casino. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I have a question. Didn't they find another body in a barrel? Yeah, I thought they found two. They're only talking about one, the one that had seven, that had been shot in the head with a twenty-two, and was wearing clothes from the late 70s or early 80s. Yeah. I think they found another barrel. Well, they found more barrels, but I don't think they found more bodies in there. Oh, there weren't bodies in the barrels. Yeah. Probably they were just... Toxic dead. waste. Yeah, right. They escaped. <laughs> <laughs> They're walking among us. 
Well, I have an update. Uh, Mark, if you remember, we went out and looked at that global collection. Yeah. And we talked about the PM mounts. And, of course, when I opened the three stamps, it had significant value in never hinge condition. Of course, I cut them out of the PM not mounts, and all three were hinged. So when I, you know, priced them at hinged, I priced them correctly. And if they had come out never hinged, then it would have been a score, but no score. Except the um, global albums were kind of weird. So it had the U.S. section, and it started with U.S. number one. There wasn't a U.S. number one, but, you know, and then it went forward. And once it hit, like, the parks, I stopped looking. Well, what it actually was is the regular issue was in front. And then after that, the commemoratives. So there was actually a $1 and $2 used Colombian inside of there. Now, the $1 wasn't really great, and the $2 had a hole in it, you know, like a pinhole in it. But still... You know, these are things that I didn't see when I was looking through the albums. And so just sort of as a lesson to everybody who's listening is if you have valuable stamps and you put them in your album, make sure that they're not hidden in the album. Because like I said, you know, I look through and I, Mark, I think you looked through the U.S. too. I did. And I did not see him. And, uh, you know, two people looked at it and we didn't see him, so... Uh, that. <laughs> right. Yeah, so you might want to put uh, post-it notes on the top of the pages or something to, uh, you know, of your of your most valuable stamps if, if you suspect that your heirs are going to inherit and not know what they're looking at. Yeah. So uh, maybe an inventory sheet or something. Yeah, right. Something... So, uh, since you're talking, you went to Napex, didn't you? Nope, nope. Napex is coming up. I went to Rompex. Oh, Rompex. The Rocky Mountain Stamp Show. Oh. And the Arapahoe County Fairgrounds. Yeah, we, we went last time two years ago. That's the one that's in Denver, Colorado. It was three years ago. It was in 19. I have pictures. Yep. And photographic I rem- proof that we were there. And I remember driving through the Rockies when it was snowing in the middle of uh, June or May. It was the very end of May. Yeah. Yeah, three years ago. And, yeah, we got pictures of the snow, and, yeah, it was really cool. Was Actually, I even took video of it. So how yeah, was the weather? Wrong? The weather was good. The venue, which is apparently a new venue, is in the middle of nowhere, so it's not near anything. The show hotel is something like 11 miles away. <laughs> um <laughs> So, uh, but uh, but I, I I did okay. I spent a little over thirty two hundred um, with about eight different dealers. Where'd you buy? Uh, I bought uh, I bought I think about eighty four or so individual stamps. I bought a set of Zeppelins, um, and uh, and then uh, one interesting thing I I bought a dealer had a a, a couple of um, what he called O nineteens, which is the um, uh, a six cent official that uh, had the bottom margin uh, attached, and the bottom margin um, had the imprint with Continental Banknote Company. The oh, problem was is that they were soft paper. They weren't the, the, yeah. the hard paper. Um, and the uh, Scott Catalog points out that when American Banknote um, 
um, took over and and printed stamps from what, 1879, I think, um, well, on the on the softer paper, um, they used the continental plates. So even though it says continental on the stamp, it is not a continental printing. Mm-hmm. It is the American banknote printing. And the price difference between 019 and 099 is significant. I think like 09 or 019 is uh, 100 bucks and 099 is like $3 and 75 cents or something like that. <laughs> right, yeah, it's it's something like that. Yeah, it's it's a it's it's a huge difference. So, uh, but I thought it was I thought it was interesting enough that I, I was able to convince the dealer that no, he did not have the 019s. <laughs> so, I, I he still was uh, didn't want to discount him off of uh, off of Scott uh, um, catalog value for the 099s, but I bought him anyway just as a curiosity. Yeah, I remember uh, there was like half a sheet, a uh, dealer friend. This was way back when. And um, same thing. You know, it says Continental, so these have to be the expensive ones. Right. And it's like, uh, no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jim, you went to the Utah show. Yes, Albert and I went up to Salt Lake City to the Salt Lake City Stamp Club show. Um, a local show they have three times a year they have actually the the stamp show is twice a year and then a stamp and coin show also in the summer Um, there were half a dozen dealers maybe a couple more and they also have a um, kids uh, borscht where the kids can go in and uh, get some stamps and trying to generate excitement in the younger kids. Were there any kids there doing it? Yes, yes, nope, there, there was. Go. Good they deal act- then. They actually had exhibits at, at the show. They did. The kids had exhibits. Um, the members had exhibits. So it was kind of a fun little uh, neighborhood type show. Um, the interesting thing, uh, the other interesting thing is one of the dealers, Dave Blackhurst, has what he calls the 30 cents box, 30 cent red boxes. And he did more business out of that, uh, business-wise, than he did probably selling his stamps. <laughs> mm. You know, because the kids. We had one young man that came up and he brought a stamp up, and and Dave, being the type of dealer he is, um, hosed him. Just hosed. Just, <laughs> just, re- just really took it to him and gave it to him for free. So <laughs> the kid, the kid started coming back with more stamps. <laughs> But he was kind of excited, and he ended up buying a couple of stamps that probably cataloged a dollar, dollar and a half, you know, the early commemoratives that get you excited when you're young. So it was a lot of fun that way. Um, Dave Blackhurst was at the uh, Rompex as well. Yes. And in the show program, it, it, it it says who the dealers are and then what they specialize in. And so when I read it, it, it says he specializes in, in I don't know, one other thing, in the, or worldwide stamps and 30-cent stamps. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's, that's kind of an odd thing to specialize <laughs> in is 30-cent denomination stamps. <laughs> yeah, he told me one time, he, he, I can't remember the exact amount, but hundreds of dollars that he sold at, at a show out of the 30-cent box to somebody that they were mad at him because she was the big buyer and she'd come in and had more fun going through his 30-cent box than she'd ever had in her life. And she spent maybe five or $600 on... Anyway. Well, I remember the first time Lloyd 
went there. And Lloyd loves going to the Utah show. Yes, he does. And he was talking about going through the 30 cent boxes because he collects British Commonwealth cancels. And so he knows all the cancels and stuff. Nobody, Nobody else does. does yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's like, wow, you know, so he, he was showing me, uh, look at this, you know, this is a $50 stamp. Mm-hmm. At least $50 in some catalog someplace. Yeah. And he bought it for 30 cents. Yep. And so uh, it's like, wow, cool. Yeah. But I mean, you know, your chance of finding that stamp if you haven't invested 35 years of research in what cancels are valuable, you know, you, you look at it and go, well, okay. Yeah. Well, there's little treasures to be found everywhere. And, and um, according to Dave, he replenishes that on a regular basis. So. Mm. If, if we go three times a year to see it, we're looking at new material each time. And he'll be at the Sacramento show, too. Yes, he will. Yeah. So, oh, oh, I'll, I'll share a thing that I bought. Um, there is the uh, rather rare bicolor Shanghai stamp. And it's like a one-cent stamp, one candarin or whatever it is. And these had, like, nice... Shanghai cancels. It's like, well, it's a Shanghai stamp. Of course, it's going to have a Shanghai cancel. Um, but I put them on eBay. I listed them individually because you know they catalog a dollar. They catalog literally a dollar, and they were going for five and six dollars. People bidding them up because they had nice readable cancels. So uh, that happened. You know, that's an interesting thing because a lot of Shanghai stamps, you know, catalog less than a dollar to maybe two dollars but if they have nice cancels they go for triple catalog double catalog five times catalog etc so that's something that i found out of the 30 cent box yep i think so that was a lot of fun i bought um some uh, number ones and i was kind of concentrating on the classic first issues imperf so I wanted to get a copy of each one to, I didn't get one, but I tried to, you know, get a copy of each each one in uh, representative um, condition. And uh, so I had a pretty good show. What did you pay for your number ones? Um, net, uh, I, I didn't ever pay CAT. I was under CAT on, on all of them. And um, the... I think I bought three that had four margins and were sound or just tiny little flaws. So it was pretty good. Yeah. And then I, and then, and I bought a couple because I thought maybe they might be the lettered number ones. You mean like the orange reds and the orange? Yeah. The the ABCs and D's. The nice thing about the Utah show is that the, the night before they actually had a club meeting Yes. So uh, we had a chance to meet a lot of people, and uh, we had a chance to talk about what PSE does, and also uh, um, we saw them uh, saw them do their club auction, which was which was fun. Yeah, we. Uh, I ended up even buying a lot from that with Albert. Albert and I chipped in of ten bucks each and bought a lot. So you know, <laughs> we were Ooh, twenty we're, bucks. Yeah. We're, well, that was the biggest ticket item in their lot in their auction, <laughs> I think. And we had um, Albert got to give a presentation. They asked Albert to get up and 
give a presentation, talk a little bit about PSE. And, of course, the dealers were aware of what we do in grading and so forth, but some of the club members were not. And so mm-hmm. that was interesting to have that discussion with these club members that what does PSE do? <laughs> yeah. yeah what do we, we, do? We, we, we put a grade on your stamps. Yeah. <laughs> we, we give you a little piece of paper for I think $15. I think we need to talk about Albert's other thing. We, I just handed it over to you on who's more accurate, Albert. Well, I don't oh, know. Yeah. We, uh, the, the, other, the other main article I brought in the Sunday paper, which was on page one of section one, was... It's titled, The COVID Testing Company That Missed 96% of the Cases in Nevada, and talking about a company called North Shore Clinical Laboratories out of Chicago that got a contract with, uh, with uh, the people in northern Nevada to do some of their testing and was paid between $165 and $260 for each test. And uh, it's a story about the fact that uh, um, these people went through... Um, some in, some uh, big contributors uh, to Nevada politicians to get this contract, but was that were absolutely incompetent. So the question that we were going to ask as the main topic for this for this program was, um, what is our failure rate at PSE on our certificates? So what was their failure failure rate? Ninety six percent. Ninety six percent of the time they were wrong. Yes. Most of the time, when they said gave a no, it was a, it was actually when they was retested by the state lab, it was a yes, they were positive. So they were actually helping the spread of COVID. And and some of that was related to the athletes, was it not? Yes. So they were giving the University, University of Nevada Reno. So athletes. they were giving them clean affidavits so they could go play ball, but they were actually COVID positive. So it could either be corruption. Because or ni- incompetent. 96%, if you just like flipped a coin for each <laughs> one, you're going to be wrong 50% of the time. Right. 96% of the time is just... Incompetence. Well, I, I, <laughs> incompetence. I don't think you could be that incompetent. There has to be something else oh. going on. They're talking about the fact that know. probably these tests were never actually given. You know, they never did the work. The people who... This was a bona fide lab that existed for a number of years, and then new management purchased it. And the new management, none of them had a background in 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 uh, any kind of uh, laboratory work. Well, it's like you know, here in Las Vegas, in Nevada, marijuana is legal. Uh, but it used to be that you had to have a script, a prescription, and so you'd go to the doctor, and you'd say words, you know, you would exhale and words would come out of your mouth in some sort of uh, structure of grammar. And the doctor would say, yeah, you know something, you need some marijuana, here's a piece of paper. And I'm kind of curious if that's the case is, you know, you had these athletes and you go, oh, you need a clean COVID test for you to play here. Yeah. Well, it certainly smacks of that, doesn't it? Well, the other thing is, you know, Depending on what study you hear, somewhere between 45 and 60% of the people have had COVID or have COVID or whatever. I mean, it, it runs through everything. It's just, you know, you may not know it. So if you're giving everybody clean certificates 
and they're all you know playing together so they're all exchanging whatever uh, diseases amongst them I could see that you know you're going to be wrong 60% at the time because you're giving these people clean certificates when between 45 and 60% of them have it. I don't know. This to me smacks of being like a subsidiary of Theranos. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably true. Yeah. This is this is they this is they really put it bad. inside of a little box and go out to lunch yeah. and come back and somebody would give them. Without the hot spokeswoman. Yeah. So, so for um, those who don't know, Google Theranos, you'll you'll see one of the uh, biggest scams uh, in the investment community that ever occurred, next to maybe like Bernie Madoff. And I think maybe Theranos took more than Bernie Madoff. Anyway, so they are wrong ninety six percent of the time. So how many times are we wrong when we expertise our stamps? We do have a failure rate. Well, that's why we always say that what we give is an opinion. Yeah. Well, it goes a little beyond that because now we, we have two people who proof. In the past, we only had one person that proved. And probably half of the bad uh, certs that went out and we're not talking about a lot. Maybe one out of 500 would be a typo. Half of those would be a typo. Somebody, And, you know, a lot of the times, because on our certificates, we state in two places the gum condition. And so one would say mint never hinged, and the other one would say mint hinged. So you'd have a conflict right on the certain person would call us up and go, why does this say never hinged and hinge? And it's like, oh, well, because... We screwed up. We, <laughs> we, <laughs> it was a typo. We typoed. <clears throat> and then the other ones are like, you know, you'll have a... The one that I saw the other day, which we catch now. I mean, like I said, we have two people who prove instead of just one. Um, it was an eight... Oh, I forget what it was. It, I think it was like a 887A... And the person who typed it in, typed in 874, made the A, the A look like a 4. So, I mean, you know, that one was caught easy because on the cert, you know, it'll have the Scott number and then it has a denomination 3 cent. And you look at it and you go, that's not a 3 cent stamp. And, you know, the color is green and you go, that stamp's red. What's going on? <laughs> so right. there's a lot of safety things to catch the typos. I'd say our typos have pretty much dropped to zero. Because you've got two looking at them, yeah. Yeah, because of proofing now. So, uh, most, so most of the mistakes, uh, in your opinion, were not mistakes in actually identifying and grading the stamp. It was more in uh, the typing. Yeah. Typing up the certificate. Yeah. And, it, and that's an easy fix, even if a collector gets that, because they can... Call you up and say, "Hey, this doesn't sound right." this wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we get those. You know, mm -hmm. again, you know, it's not common. But yeah. you know, we'll get a phone call and they'll say, "Hey, you made a mistake on this cert. Can you fix it?" And we go, "Oh, yes. Thank you very much for calling us. Here you go and okay. pop it in the mail to them." So, aren't, aren't error certs worth more money? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Depends on what the catalog value is. Mm. I had a friend who, co- and this is before P- or PSE existed. So, you know, I'm sure that he could expand his collection into PSE certs too. But he had a collection of PF and APS error certs. And I always remember my favorite was um, he had a US number two, which is the two cent Washington, the black ten stamp. Ten, ten, ten. Or, sorry, 10 cent Washington black stamp. <clears throat> and it had a warning. It was reperforated. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously a typo. Yes. You know, the, the person probably submitted a U.S. number two and a U.S. number 248. And the 248 was reperforated. And so they just got the descriptions reversed or something. But he had a certificate that said a U.S. number two reperforated. <laughs> you know, it happens all of all of us make mistakes. Um, we fix them as soon as we see them, and they're really, really, really rare. So our 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 accuracy rate would be ninety nine point something if you're one in five hundred. Yeah, nine. What is that? Ninety nine point two, something like that. Yeah. I'm really curious to see if there is a perforated two cent. <laughs> or a ten cent uh, Washington. Well, actually, I put private you know, purse. Yeah, private purse. Yeah. It could be listed in the to section. make it look nicer. Yeah, actually, I uh, put a thing on the internet, and all of a sudden, everybody like didn't get my sense of humor. But you are Great Britain number one, the penny black. Okay, what perf gauge is it? Yeah. <laughs> is it so if you put it on the perf gauge, is it perf zero or is it perf one? And actually, it depends on what country you're in. Because in the United States, we count the number of paper attachments between the stamps. So an imperforated stamp, the US or US number one or Great Britain number one. There is one paper attachment over a 20-centimeter area, so it's perf one. In Britain, they count the number of holes over 20 centimeters. And so in Britain, it's perf zero. In the United States, it would uh, for you to have a perf zero, it would be like one of the Cypex souvenir sheets where there is no adjacent stamp. So then that would be a point, uh, uh, perf zero stamp. So this off the wacko. Mm-hmm. So if we put down, you know, per, a perf gauge on a U.S. number one, you know, it's a typo. <laughs> <laughs> now, one thing that was interesting was last week we had the gentleman from Alaska visiting with his family that found that 30-cent uh, banknote special printing. Mm-hmm. It turns out he came in. He was he was down here on a vacation with his children and his wife, and he explained that he had spent a lot of time in Europe, and so he had bought stamps everywhere, and so he brought some more down. So I guess he submitted some more stamps to us. And we asked him, you know, what did he do with the stamp? Because you know he literally found what a fifteen thousand dollar stamp, just found it. And so we go, oh, you know, did you send it off to auction? He goes, no, it's it's still sitting in my collection. It's like, 
okay. <laughs> but he but he pointed out his wife doesn't understand the value of stamps. Yeah. She just she she thinks that she she thinks that uh, um, he wonders what would happen if something happened to him suddenly. That if, if the stamp wouldn't, if all the stamps wouldn't all of a sudden end up in the trash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, we, again, you know, we, and we kind of advised him on stuff. You, you know, we wrote a little, we said, write a little note and say, if I get hit by a truck, find this stamp. It is valuable. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, he has a lot of valuable stamps. He has a lot of nice stuff. He's, he, he's a good collector. But, yeah, finding a 30-cent special printing, that's... That's that's special. That's special. Mm-hmm. That calls for a little post-it note on the page. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what mistakes have you guys seen on PSE certs? I saw one, uh, a mistake where the, uh, uh, the crease was um, on the right side of the stamp and the cert said it was on the left side of the stamp. So it depends on whether you're looking at the gum side or the front side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, on the, uh, but on the certs, we're always looking at the front side. So yeah. if it's on the gum, you have to reverse your... Well, Jerry, mm-hmm. shout out to Jerry and Kayla. Uh, by the way, Kayla who tested positive for COVID, so she wasn't at lunch today. Uh, but um, Jerry gave us two stamps that it said had surface wrinkles. And you looked at it, and I looked at it, and we didn't see any surface wrinkles. So I'm very curious whether, you know, how big are these surface wrinkles, or is that a typo? Right. Are you talking about mistakes in the condition of the stamp or just in typos? Oh, anything. Yeah, because you're right. Most of what I've seen on certs, that uh, I've dealt with are typos. Every once in a while, there's a grading question, and we usually resolve that before the certificate is um, finalized. Well, grading is so mathematical that there is is an opportunity for a misgrade but it's not very likely. Yeah, I, I mean, it's much more likely that, you know, you're going to submit a two-cent red stamp and you get a certificate for a one-cent green stamp. You know, you're just straight missing the number. I think it's important to point out that you can resubmit. Oh, yeah. And, and I, there's a very nominal or no charge on a resubmittal. Yeah, re- generally... If reconsideration. You, generally, uh, you know, you're supposed to pay, and I almost never charge it. I, I'm, I do the billing and don't let Scott hear me, but, you know, people <laughs> submit stuff for reconsideration. They go, ah, I don't think this, you know, whatever. And uh, they send it in. And, you know, if, if they've got a good cop to it, you know, then I'll let it go. If it's like... Uh, this is a 596, you, you misidentified it. And sometimes we do get those because um, there's a black card which holds the stamp. And the black card has a sticker on it. And the sticker is how the person submits the stamp. It's a way for us to track it. Right. It has 
nothing to do with the opinion except that it gives us a place to start and it allows us to match, you know, orders up and stuff like that. And a person will submit a 596, a one cent green rotary press, $100,000 stamp. And of course they don't have one and they get a 531 certificate and they go, you did a typo. You put 531 on this. It's a 596. And we go, no, it's not a 596. Why do you think it says that on the label? Yeah, it says that on the sticker. And you go, no, the sticker is how you submit it. Well, the PF puts the the submitting number right on the certificate. Yeah, nobody likes that. Yeah. Uh, That that actually, it was an old law in New York. That they And they just continued to do it. But in the 1970s, when you gave an appraisal, you had to put down what the person thought it was because that's how they're submitting it. And uh, I submitted stuff to the PF. And I, there's this Tanzanian uh, magic stamp. You know, it has a, a person levitating a person. And I'd always put that number down, Tanzanian number 127. And I forget what the number was actually. It was 127, it wasn't, it was a four digit number. And uh, then they'd go through and they'd put the actual thing down. And then at the bottom it would you know, say my name, which again, people don't like that either. Mm-hmm. I submitted it. Yeah. yeah. So you see a lot of PF certs where people cut off the bottoms. Except uh, some dealers, uh, they actually put their stamp, their their business stamp on the back of it. So it's an advertisement that follows with the cert forever and ever. Hmm. So, you know, stuff, stuff and junk. Yeah. But again, getting back to the submitting question is that you can reconsider and file it for a reconsideration. And we get those. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of times the... Uh, reconsideration with additional information is very helpful. Yeah. Oh. Um, because you, you might want to talk a little bit about that. It, it applies more to things that are not unique but almost unique that you don't see a lot of examples. Well, there was one. Uh, I'm not going to give his name. A uh, very, very big postal stationary person. And he brought in a color variety on a piece of postal stationery. And it was a really, really deep sort of purplish blue. And we gave him back the cert with just the normal blue and said, here is why you are getting a cert that says normal blue. You have to give us these two items and then we'll change our opinion. That wasn't a mistake though, That that was the requirement. You had to prove that it wasn't a proof or an essay and that it's not a one-off where it was a storage issue. So he came back, proved it wasn't a proof or an essay, and brought in, he had 10 of them. And so he goes, here. And we go, well, that's consistent. (laughs) (laughs) And so then we issued the cert, and I think we call what did we call it, deep blue or deep purplish blue? I forget what it is, but then he's sending it off to uh, Scott's Publishing to see if he can get it listed in the catalog. Yeah, that, that was another thing is it's really difficult if it's not listed in the catalog to um, call it something that there's no reference. 
Well, and that's the other thing is people submit it to us and say, here, you guys do all the research. And this happened on the Bugs Bunny sheets. If you, if you lo- listen way back, there are four different per- varieties on the Bugs Bunny sheets. And only two, only two or three of them, only three of them are listed, one of them being imperf. So the fourth one was specific to the sheets that came out of the frame. Whenever you bought the framed Bugs Bunny, that's actually a different perf variety. It's a special printing that then they sent off and got them framed. Well, he sent it to us, and, you know, we charged 10 bucks for a modern stamp. And they, he goes, here, you know, do all the research. It's like, yeah, for 10 bucks, we can't do all the research. You, but we'll tell you, and we told him what he had to do. And so then he did it, and we gave him the cert saying, yes, you are correct. We have checked your work, and you are correct. And then he sent it off to Scott, and Scott said, you know, we really don't want to list any more of these. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a per per variety. Um, You know, that's one of the things a lot of people submit to us and say, you know, I want to get this listed in Scott, but Scott's catalog isn't going to list it unless it has either a PSE or a PF cert. And so they submit it to us. We, again, we do a minimum amount of research. Mostly we double check your research. And then we will issue the cert, you ship the cert off to Scott's catalog, and Scott's catalog has a yay or nay on whether or not it gets listed. But yeah, that's not a that's not a mistake. That's we issue a cert, then you supply us with information and we will change our opinion after you jump through these certain hoops. Well, it's not a mistake on our part, but a customer might view it as a mistake. And so I was just saying there are there are remedies for these kinds of things if you think we've made a mistake that you can go through. Oh yeah. <clears throat> yeah, we have reconsideration. Like I said, you know, if you're nice then you're not going to get charged. If you're not nice, then <laughs> we're going to charge you just because you're being a pain. It goes on a sliding scale on how much pain you cause. Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, yeah. Speaking of pain, the uh, Postal Service is raising the rate July, first first week of July. And you have some more information to on 60 that. Cents. Yeah. I was at, uh, I was at Ron Peck's, like I said, and there was, and the USPS had a booth there. And a, a woman of authority who was very intimidating told me that, uh, <laughs> that yes, that, that it will raise to 60 cents in July, but there will be three more increases this year. Uh, that's crazy. And Is that on first class or another? Uh, on, uh, on first class. And well. uh, I, uh, I, I, I was uh, afraid of her, so <laughs> I, I didn't question it. <laughs> I guess I guess postal history in 2022 will show a lot of range rate changes. Yeah. Well, if that's the case, we we ought to be looking at uh, some of these um, modern postal uses in these very short rates. Oh, guaranteed, guaranteed. You know, if you have a two or three month rate, it becomes postal history of the future very difficult to find. I think that uh, yeah, yeah, as they 
and again, this is my opinion, you know, good investments being hoovered up and bad investments being what the money flows into, I can very easily see this sort of thing because I don't plan on my crystal ball says that inflation is going to last many years. It's not going away, you know, after the November election or something. And uh, so if we have five or six years of inflation, which I think is incredibly likely, then these stamps that are five or six years old at the time, you know, that were priority and, you know, the, the rarer stamps, the uh, express mails, um, those are going to get way bid up in value because they have a high face value and a very low usage. They're going to just be scarce. It's going to be Bethesda Fountain times five. Well, you, you think about just letter rate and a forever stamp is a forever stamp. So you can't really prove what rate it was playing, paying, even when it's mailed within a period because yeah. it could have been bought prior to that. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it would account for more of the definitives that are numbered or the uh, higher denominations like the dollar stamps. So, And the other thing is with the uh, forever stamps, you know, you you can always buy them at a discount from China. Let's not go there. Mm, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. We, we right. beat that one, haven't we? Right. Well, the 60 cent rate is irritating because it takes three stamps, three 20 cent stamps. Yeah, but they're easy. Yeah. Yep. I got lots of 20 cent stamps. 29 centers were actually now I have a whole bunch of 29 centers, and it's like they're changing the rate. Okay. Uh, now you got to find a two center. Yeah. Anything else? I got kicked off Facebook for talking bad about China. So, uh, <laughs> but this is our podcast, so nobody's going to pick, kick me off here. Um. <laughs> we this haven't voted. We, we haven't voted yet. Not yet. That's exactly right. <laughs> oh, that's it. We need your help. Nothing on the internet is free, including our phone and internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. <laughs> because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this silkom was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! Yeah! <laughs> <sighs> 
You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, seeking to advance all levels of the stamp collecting hobby through news, information, and collecting advice. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com to listen to the show, view images of the items we are talking about, and read the show notes. You can also continue the conversation on Facebook at Stamp Show Here Today and on Twitter at Stamp Show HT. If you have questions or comments about the show or have any topics you would like us to discuss, you can email us at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep collecting. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.